1: Now, I'm going to watch me some Judge Mathis, all right? Not, I like Judge Mathis. And you see, uh, yeah, people get on there and they, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. And they're doing bad business. That's not good for the kingdom. That's not good for the kingdom. Christians should do the best work. We shouldn't see Christians in court. Christians should do the best work. You use products that are good. Your carpenter and your shellac and your stain, use the best polyurethane. So you can give glory to the kingdom. And people say, what a great job you did. And you say, you know what? It's God. God did it. What do you mean God did it? And you got an opportunity to witness. you got an opportunity to share the gospel. Because ultimately, listen, what you want to hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant. Ultimately, what you want to hear is, this is my beloved son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Am I right about it? That's what you want to hear. Well, notice in verses 23, we got to move forward through verse 38. Jesus begins his ministry. Go ahead and peruse it, if you will. Jesus begins his public ministry at what age? At 30. And Luke traces Jesus' bloodline all the way back to Adam. How do we know that? You can look at verse 38 in your Bibles and you'll see that. Now, if you read Matthew, Matthew was a little different in that Matthew takes the genealogy of Jesus Through the bloodline, anybody know? Of David, very good. Matthew traces the bloodline of Jesus through the line of David, through the royal line. Now, listen, I hope you don't mind, but I'm not gonna read through all of these names, largely because they are super boring, and I can't pronounce many of them anyway, so, but if you are looking for names for your kids, maybe you're pregnant and you're looking for names, you got the mommy baby book, Jim, Shreya, I know you got the, you got a little one in the oven. You might, might want to consider one. I know you're all Indian, but you might want to consider one of these names. I think this is a cool name. Look at verse 28. I like this name, the son of Kazim. Would that be a cool old kid's name? What's your name? (laughs) Kazem. I don't know. I like it. And then look at verse 31. The son of Meany. Don't you like that? What's your name? Meany. And look at verse 35. The son of Sharug, The son of Rue. I like that name. Like I rue the day I had you. I really like that name. (laughs) But the thing I think we can take away from this is that God knows where you are, and he knows who your dad is, and he knows who your kids are, and he knows who your aunties are, and he knows who your uncles are. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 13 in the interest of time. Look at verse 1 if you're looking at it. Say amen. amen. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Mark tells us he was driven, driven by the Spirit, led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered and said, Can you read it with me? It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Well, then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All of this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me And I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship me, Satan says, all will be yours. And Jesus answered in verse 8, are you with me? Jesus answered and said to him, read it with me. Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And then Satan brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem. Set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, then throw yourself down from him. And saints, get this, Satan begins to quote scripture. For it is written, Satan said, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, read it with me. It has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Saint, stop right there. Give me your attention. So Jesus has been baptized, anointed by the Spirit of God, and God said, this is my son. I am well pleased with my son. And it's a high moment in the life of Jesus. And right after this wonderful time of anointing and baptism and triumph comes trouble. Jesus is immediately led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Isn't it often true? You've been on a women's retreat. You've been on a men's retreat. You go away, you spend time with God. You had a wonderful time. You come back and you high in the spirit. And you come back as soon as you walk in the front door, bam! Satan hits you with something or you receive some bad news. You see, oftentimes, after great spiritual victory, comes great spiritual attack. That's Christianity 101. You need to write that down. After great spiritual victory comes great spiritual attack. And listen, being filled with the Spirit does not eliminate or lessen the impact of temptation. As a matter of fact, it seems that being filled with the Spirit, and some of the saints know what I'm talking about, it seems that being filled with the Spirit increases the impact of temptation. And strangely enough, when you are filled with the Spirit and walking with God, strangely enough, things happen to you that just don't happen normally. You got a problem with anger. Satan, don't you understand? Satan knows your weak spot. Satan knows your weak spot. Don't underestimate you know, people, don't misunderstand me. Please don't, don't get this twisted. Jesus has gotten the victory over the devil. But we tend to go, Jesus got the victory, and you think Satan ain't got a clue. He's been at this a whole lot longer than you. He knows exactly what your weakness is. You got a problem with anger? You know what he'll do? You got a problem with anger? Stuff just happens. You got a problem with anger, you walking down the street minding your business, listening to your iPod, enjoying the flowers in the spring and the freshness and the newness. <laughs> and all of a sudden somebody ride by and throw a beer bottle at you. <laughs> and then I mean, just so it's like, what, what was that? It's like, how did that happen? Things happen to you that it's just it's just strange. Why? Because Satan knows your weakness. You got a problem with swimsuit models and you're in Moscow, Russia. It's freezing. It is freezing. But you got a problem with swimsuit models? Satan knows that. Trust. It's freezing. A swimsuit model walk right past you. She ain't got on nothing but a swimsuit. Walk right past you. You go, where in the world did you come from? Why don't you have on a parka like the rest of the country? Because Satan knows strange things happen. Being filled with the Spirit oftentimes increases the impact of temptation. And so Jesus is in the wilderness fasting and praying for 40 days. And at his weakest moment, are you with me? At his weakest moment, Satan comes tempting him. Now understand this. Please write this down. Please get this. To be tempted and tested is not sin. To be tested and tempted is not sin. If it were, then we could not say that Jesus never sinned because Jesus was tempted by the devil, but he did not sin. And so the question always comes up, could Jesus have actually sinned if he wanted to? Could Jesus have fallen into sin? Listen, Jesus wasn't capable of sinning. We call this, in theological terminology, Bible students, we call this the impeccability of Jesus Christ. He was not capable of sinning. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18 tells us that it is impossible for God to lie. So Jesus could not sin. Although it doesn't mean that Jesus didn't feel the temptation, he felt the full force of our sin When in the garden, he sweat great drops of blood, you know. But when faced with that temptation to sin, Jesus did not sin. You cannot listen, stop Satan from tempting you, but you don't have to give in to sin. Can you say a better amen than that? You don't have to give in to sin. You know, it was Martin Luther who said, You can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. See, only this half of the room got it. Everyone over here is like, what? Okay, I'll talk to you. You cannot stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest in it. When you have times of temptation, that is the time when the Bible says that we are to bring every thought into the obedience of Christ. Are you hearing me? The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but spiritual and that we are able to pull down the strongholds of the devil. And sometimes you have to pull down the thoughts that come into your mind and just say no. Right, you got it. Right, right. You sometimes, pastor too. I'm, I'm, I'm not above this. No one is above this. Oh, but he's so cute. Just say no. <laughs> See, y'all think the world came up with that. They got bumper stickers. They done made money off what God already told us. Just say no. Oh, but she's so f- fine. Oh, my God, she's so fine. Just say no. Oh, I want to d- smoke some pie. What the kids, I'm going to smoke a tree. See, y'all don't think I know. I got it like that. See, y'all don't, y'all, y'all don't think I know, do you? I know, I got kids. I ain't that old. Just say no. You want to do drugs. And Satan is using all of these things. Here's my point, people. Satan is using all of these things to tempt all of us. And we have to bring down every thought to the obedience of Christ. What does God tell you to do? What does God say do? And what happens is what we do is we play ping pong with our thoughts. Well, should I, should not, should I, should not, should I, should not. And you wind up falling into sin and giving into temptation. Notice in verse 2, for 40 days, Jesus continued and, 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 and fasting and prayer, and he didn't eat anything. Notice it doesn't say he didn't drink. It's just a side note, a freebie. He didn't, it doesn't say he didn't drink. It says he didn't eat anything for 40 days and for 40 nights. So Jesus was at his weakest point. Here's the point. He was at his weakest point, denying the physical to concentrate on the spiritual. And Satan tempts Jesus with three temptations. That's what we're going to talk about in these remaining few moments. The first of the three temptations. Look at verse 3. Are you looking at it? If you are the son of God, Satan says, turn those rocks into bread. Now this word if would be better translated sense. Since you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Which really adds to the temptation because Satan is reminding Jesus, you are hungry and you have the power to do something about it, so do it. Since you're the son of God. And Satan will tempt you and Satan will tempt me in the same way. Since you are a child of God... Listen, there's a whole lot of temptation going on in the church today from the pulpit. Hmm? Since you're a child of God, how come you're sick? Since you're a child of God, how come you ain't rich? Since you're a child of God, how come you haven't claimed and named This, that, or the other. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. Why? You need to write that down. I like that. I like that. Since you're the son of God, that's temptation. Since you're the son of God, do something and do it now. And that is what Satan is doing to Jesus. He's trying to get Jesus to make something happen now to make it happen right now. Now, listen, don't make the mistake. Please don't get this twisted. Jesus could have turned that whole desert into a bakery. Somebody say amen. He could have turned that whole... Oh, he could have turned every stone into a chocolate eclair. I don't know, what, I don't know why chocolate eclair has been sticking in my head all day. He could have... But instead of giving in to the temptation of the devil, Jesus said, did you get this? He said, it is written. And then he quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, Jesus is saying there's something more important than bread, and that is every word that comes out of the mouth of God can the saints say amen? amen. And the way to defeat the attacks of the enemy, listen, is as simple as this. It's knowing, quoting, and obeying God's word. Knowing, quoting, and obeying God's word. The second temptation, Satan takes Jesus to a high mountain and offers him the kingdoms of the world in verse 6. Go ahead and look at it. To a high mountain and offers him the kingdoms of the world. But as the song says, ain't no mountain high enough because there's no mountain that you can stand on and see all the kingdoms of the world. So Satan would have taken Jesus to a high mountain in a vision where Jesus could see the majesty of Egypt and the power of Rome and the splendor of Greece and the beauty of Jerusalem, all in a single moment. And he said, if you will bow down, I will give you these things. This is interesting. Jesus created all the kingdoms of the world, and here Satan is offering Jesus all the kingdoms of the world. Things that make you go, hmm. How? Why? Because Satan is the prince and the power and the ruler of this world. Of this world. That's why Jesus is going to create a new heaven and a new earth. You understand? That's Ephesians chapter 2. Satan is the ruler of this world. And Jesus said, Are you getting this? It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. This phrase, these words, it is written could be translated, it has been written and will remain written. It has been written and will remain written. And in the third and the final temptation, Satan takes Jesus up on a high, on a holy city and he, and to sit on a pinnacle, and Satan says, since you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. Verse 9, go ahead and look at it. And Satan is saying, since you claim to live by the Word of God, and since the Father loves you so much and will provide for you, then jump off the temple, and the angels will come, and you can prove you're the Messiah, and show how much God the Father loves you. Now, here's the important thing, saints. Listen, Satan Notice what Satan does, as I pointed out in verse 10. He quotes the word. He is quoting from Psalm 91. Although, might I add, he is misquoting the word. Because Psalm 91, 11 and 12 says, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. Here's what Satan left out, in all your ways. Satan left that out. In their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. You see, the promise is God will keep you in all your ways. And God will bear you up. Now, this still happens today. People love to take the Bible verses out of context. Jesus quotes the scripture this time, Deuteronomy six sixteen: You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Listen, saints, I'm coming in for a landing. Hear me. Please, don't test God. Don't tempt God. There's a lot of testing and a lot of tempting going on. Don't test God. People are like, you know what? God God said, I'm never going to die. I had a guy this weekend, as a matter of fact, he told me, because I preached Friday and Saturday at the whole conference, Friday night, I mentioned something about death. I don't even know what I said, but I said something about we're going to die or something like that. And I was in, you know, one of the condos that they had for the conference, and there was two brothers who were... In our condo with me. So the next morning, they said, Hey, Pastor. He said, we, want, we need to talk to you. They said, Pastor, wait a minute now. I really enjoyed the sermon last night. He said, But I'm going to tell you something. No, the Bible doesn't say we're going to die. We ain't never going to die. We will never die. Let me tell you something, Pastor. If you believe it by faith, you got to believe this thing by faith. We are never going to die. You don't ever have to die. Pastor, you don't even have to get old. You don't even have to. You know, aging, Christians, they ain't supposed to age. I said, what are you talking about? He said, we don't have to get old, Christians, if we believe it by faith. We don't even have to age. I looked at him. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm 47. I said, when last time you looked in the mirror? I said, I cannot believe you sitting there saying that we don't have the age. I said, man, you got gray hair in your beard and you got gray hair on your head. What do you mean? Is there something wrong with your faith? We don't have to get, oh, tempting and testing God. I was looking at 2020 the other day and they, 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 there's these people in the Ozarks that handle snakes. Because they said that God said that we will take up serpents and we shall not be bitten. So they, they have services where they take up snakes. I'm like, look, let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something. I don't want nothing. I ain't got you know, the only use I got for snakes is if they're on my feet or around my waist or possibly in a wallet. <laughs> Somebody say Amen if you know what I'm talking about. I ain't got no use for snakes. People testing and tempting God. Go out there and lay on the 440 in rush hour. Yeah, He will bear you up in heaven. <laughs> People testing and tempting God is craziness. We're not to test or tempt the Lord God. Notice in verse 13, when the temptation was ended, the devil departed from him until an opportune time. And then Matthew tells us at that point, listen, the angels came to minister to Jesus. Don't make the mistake. I close with this. Don't make the mistake to think that all you have to do is quote the word, and give victory over the devil. It is very important that not only are you quoting the word, but you're obeying the word, submitting to the word. Receive the word, believe the word, and live the word. The word of God needs to be in your heart. It's not just about knowing a lot of scripture and that you can just fire off a bunch of scripture, but it's about the word of God being in your heart. And you truly are living the word of God. And then when Satan comes to you, then you can say, it is written. Will I feel fearful? Will I feel anxious? Well, it is written. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.